Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show. Fifth Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Also coming to you live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Eber. Great to be with you. Uh, wow, the Boxing Day fixtures are behind us. And quite a few surprises, I would say, today. Not least of which was Liverpool's complete demolition of Leicester City. Uh, Manchester United's complete demolition of Newcastle United. Uh, Arsenal's limp response to a new manager. And Everton, well, they took the opposite track. Lots to talk about today as we get ready for the grand finale of the holiday season fixtures. Of course, we're talking about the matches this weekend and uh, the New Year's matches uh, should be absolutely fantastic. We're going to take a look at all of the matches that have taken place. Let's take a, take a look at the table. And, you know, interestingly enough, everybody talks about Liverpool in these sort of you know, grandiose terms, and everyone seems so surprised. I'm going to give you some stats on Liverpool Football Club's season that really uh, might surprise you because as much as you will hear about Liverpool and do now hear about Liverpool as a sort of team du jour, so to speak, uh, on places like NBC and uh, Sirius XM, FC, uh, I'm just going to tell you that they're all late to the party. And I'm going to tell you why. So you certainly want to stay tuned. Look, you can find me on Twitter, at Nick Gieber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Hope you guys had a great Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Festivus or whatever it is you celebrate around this time of year. Hope it was wonderful for everyone. Hope you stayed safe, enjoyed time with family, friends, and loved ones, and really just enjoyed the football because we had some absolutely cracking football uh, over the last week or so. And, of course, we have loads more to come. The Premier League is, in fact, giving us that Christmas present that we all wanted. It is the greatest soap opera on earth. It is also the greatest reality show on earth. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, By the way, big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and American Forces Network and Sirius XM 211. Great to have you guys with us. Always a pleasure to talk to you on the American Forces Network. Uh, I am a veteran myself and spent many a holiday away from home and uh, know know how tough it can be. All right, those are the topics on the table. Once again, Twitter, at McGeeber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. You can find me also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. I'll be right back after the break to kick it all off. All right, welcome back. By the way, I'd like to send out a big hello to Kerry, listening to me somewhere in Las Vegas. Always enjoy spending time with you. All right, uh, look, I promised you that I would... uh, get into all the games and fixtures coming up this weekend, or pardon me, this weekend. Uh, well, yeah, this weekend in the Premier League. It's funny, I'm losing track of time because we've had so many matches, so many matches, and we've had so many uh, surprises, I think is the way to put it, so far that, uh, you know, my head is spinning, to be quite honest with you. Uh, let's take a look, though, where we are right now on the table. As we are now officially 18 games in, Liverpool sit at the top, and after their demolition... Uh, of uh, Leicester City 4-0. They are 
13 points clear of Leicester in first place. Leicester only a point ahead of Man City. You know, it's cooled off a little bit the last three matches for Leicester. Uh, they had that draw at home against Norwich, which was a big shock. And then they had the loss against City, which probably wasn't a big shock. And then they had this demolition by Liverpool, which... Uh, it was at the King Power Stadium. You know, I think it was a bit of a shock. I'm going to talk about this match in a minute. And then third place, we have City, just one point behind Leicester, as I mentioned. And then Chelsea, uh, they are having a bit of a rough time of it right now. They are now only three points ahead of Tottenham Hotspur, uh, sitting in fifth place. And then we have Sheffield United. Unite Man United have turned it on, only one loss in the last five. Then you've got Wolves, uh, Palace, Newcastle, and Arsenal down in 11th spot. Everton in Burnley in 12th, Everton in 13th, Southampton now all the way up to 14th spot after what has to be probably the upset of the weekend, a 2-0 victory over Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Great stuff. Well, look, we have a lot of fixtures coming up uh, in the Premier League this weekend, and I thought, uh, as I like to do, uh, obviously go down each and every one of the fixtures and give you my picks and how I think they're going to come out, but I also like to give you a few selected betting picks now look this isn't a betting show if you want a betting show tune into picks and parlays on the sports byline broadcast network at uh, at uh, 1 p.m pacific time 4 p.m eastern time monday through friday they have the, uh, some of the best handicappers on the planet and they do a full hour which i'm pleased to say i host actually and it's everything from nba to nhl to nfl college bowls college basketball you know the whole thing boxing plus we do premier league of course once a week because everybody's interested in premier league so that's a complete betting show i I don't like to do a complete betting show sure i like to talk about the odds and you know a little betting here and there because everyone likes to have the odd punt but i do like to do a little segment here on uh my preview shows where I'll, i'll pick three matches and I've done that, and I'll take, kind of take a look at them from a betting standpoint. So why don't we start with the three matches that I have selected here? These are matches that are coming up uh, this weekend. Now, uh, I keep in mind, they're matches on Saturday and Sunday, and then on Wednesday we have the New Year's Day matches, and then we break for eight days until January when it, when it picks up again, if you're wondering what the schedule is. It's sort of a nice week that everybody has off. Nice for them, by the way. Uh, not nice for us as fans. But let's start with some of the matches that I have prepped, and let's start with Brighton-Bournemouth. Now, keep in mind, I haven't necessarily prepped these matches because they're the most exciting match of the weekend. I prepped them because I think there might be some good value for a little bet. So why don't we start with Brighton-Bournemouth? This is at the Amex. Of course, this is Graham Potter's Brighton against uh, Eddie Howe's Bournemouth. And, you know, if you look at Bournemouth, for example, which which I like to do, this was a team that was in a uh, real slump, actually, and, and and pretty much, you know, pretty much still are. But they were flying high at one point. They were all the way up to seventh in the table around the beginning of November or so. And then it's just been, you know, a bit of an absolute disaster for them. They lost five games in a row. In the last eight, they've lost six out of the last eight. They've only won one and drawn one and lost six. Uh, and that's not great. These are two teams, though, that are desperately trying to steer clear of the drop zone. And for Bournemouth, you know, their form, as I said, has just been awful. Now, they are only two points ahead of Villa, who sit in the in the drop zone, and they are tied on points with Brighton Hove Albion, who are also in that same position, uh, and they just lost uh, over the weekend, uh, pardon me, over the weekend, uh, they just lost on Boxing Day uh, to Tottenham 2-1 at the Tottenham Hotspur t- Stadium. Uh, Bournemouth in 16th, 16th spot, 
as I mentioned, 20 points. Uh, they did get a good draw at home versus, uh, against Arsenal, while Brighton, who are in 15th spot and have 20 points, as I mentioned, they lost away to Spurs. Uh, Brighton had that good run in November. We spoke about that. They were up to seventh spot. They were getting results. Uh, Palace, Wolves and Arsenal, but they've gone cold. They've lost the last two in a row. So this is really, uh, even though neither one of these teams are actually physically in the drop zone, I I would go out on a limb and say this may well be a relegation six-pointer. And if I look at the stats of the value on this game, Brighton are playing at home at plus 100. In other words, that's even money. Bournemouth are plus 250, so you know that's uh, two and a half to one. And the draw plays, pays plus 240. Now, when I look at this game, uh, both these teams uh, concede about the same amount of goals. Both these teams score roughly about the same type of uh, amount of goals. To be fair, when I look at these teams, I see very little in between them. And so you probably won't be surprised that on this one, I'm actually recommending a draw, which plays pays plus 240 and there's a lot more than just the stats on this one i mean mentally you've got two teams very closely matched i think it's going to be fairly conservative you know i think it's a much worse result for them to lose than it is to draw at least if they draw they stay even with each other they move one point clear of the drop zone obviously you know it's up to what happens with west ham right beneath them but they're playing uh, leicester city uh aston villa Etc. Aston Villa, by the way, playing Watford. We're going to get to that game in a minute. So I recommend the draw on this one at plus 240. The next match that I'm looking at is Watford Villa, which is exactly what I was talking about. This is a relegation six-pointer by every possible definition of the term, as they're both sitting in the drop zone, 18th spot for, for, for Watford. Uh, pardon me, 18th spot for Villa. Watford sitting in 19th spot. And interestingly enough, uh, Watford, who were absolutely just god-awful, picked up a point on Boxing Day with that 1-1 draw against the, the Blades at Bramall Lane. And, you know, if you've been following Sheffield United this season, you will know that they've actually been pretty hot. I mean, uh, they've lost only one in the last five. This draw came out of nowhere. I didn't. I certainly didn't expect this draw. I don't think anybody did. But, you know, uh, they've improved massively since Nigel, Pier- Nigel Pearson took over uh, earlier this month, and since the time that he picked up, but they've actually picked up five points since then. I think it's been what three or four games. He's been three games. He's been in charge, so five points is is pretty good. Uh, they're getting better performances from the players they need to. People like Gerald Delafeu, uh, goalkeeper Ben Foster, who's been you know a bit of a cautionary tale uh, this season so far. Villa, on the other hand, they're an 18th spot. Uh, they are one point. They are one spot above Watford in the table, and in terms of points. Uh, they're actually uh, five points ahead of Watford. So no one's going to leapfrog anybody else in this match, but it is a critically important match. And they're just coming off a massive three-pointer in a huge relegation battle that they just have with the Canaries, which they won 1-0 at Villa Park. And that was the first win for them, though, since November. But when I look at this match, I think, you know, this is at Vicarage Road. Watford, new manager, they're getting results under Nigel Pearson. They seem to be playing better. Key players are, are stepping up and getting it done. And when I look at the value here, Watford are still in the plus money at plus 110 at home. Uh, Aston Villa are plus 240. The draw is plus 230. And whereas uh, in the previous match, the Brighton-Bournemouth game, I suggested to you that I thought that was likely to be a draw because I thought these teams were very evenly matched. Uh, Watford and Villa are not evenly matched, largely because Watford aren't scoring any goals. They've only scored... 12 goals uh, in 19 games, but they scored the one 
against uh, Sheffield United. They scored the goal against uh, two goals against Man United. Uh, they did lose to Liverpool. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's any. Everybody loses to Liverpool. We're going to talk about that next in the next segment. But that's why for me, I'm choosing a Watford home win at Vicarage Road for this, and at plus one ten as a possible nice little payday. I've only got a minute left, so why don't I hold my thoughts on Arsenal Chelsea? which is the next match that's at the Emirates. And I tell you what, Arsenal, new manager, Mikel Arteta, we're going to talk about that. But boy, this team just is in so much trouble. All right, let's talk about Arsenal when I come back. In the meantime, if you want to talk to me, love to hear from you on Twitter, at Nick Gieber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. If it seems like I'm going 100 miles an hour, well, I am, because it's a silly season. There's a billion games every minute in the Premier League. Well, not really, obviously, but you know what I mean. And uh, we've got an awful lot to get to. All right, I'm going to take a break. You gather your thoughts, and I will see you on the other side. to so little time you know i wanted to cover the arsenal chelsea match in the last segment and kind of get the betting segment done in uh, the 10 minutes allotted but it uh, looks like we're running over so let's run over with it though because this is a really big match arsenal chelsea this is at the emirates and you know when you look at arsenal who are currently sitting in 11th spot you have to ask yourself you know just how far the mighty have fallen from the team that went through a whole season unbeaten in 2003-2004, uh, the unbeatable season. By the way, they only won 24 games that season. They, they actually drew a lot of matches. We're going to talk about that in a minute. This team, though, is an absolute just is unrecognizable from that team. They have one win in five. They got a point away against Bournemouth at the Vitality with the new manager, Mikel Arteta, in place. You know, usually we talk about a new manager's bounce, but uh, no bouncing here. Uh, you know, one would expect a team like Arsenal to beat a team like Bournemouth, who have been as inconsistent and poor as they have throughout the season. And again, I mentioned that five-game losing streak uh, that was really—it's only really been um, broken by that one-nil victory away at Stamford Bridge. Uh, and the reason that I, there's a reason I mentioned that, by the way, uh, back uh, last week. Or ten days ago, or so, and uh, since then it's all been it's all been losses and one other draw. So I mean, Bournemouth are pretty bloody awful, and one would expect a team like Arsenal, with their history, with their fans' expectations, with the amount of money they have behind them, with that beautiful stadium at the Emirates, to actually be able to put something together. Particularly after they finally got their man, uh, Mikel Arteta, at the helm, and you know I. I'm not a fan of that appointment. I mean, look, Mikel Arteta played for Arsenal. Would you say Mikel Arteta was a legend? No, I wouldn't say he was a sort of playing legend at all. But I, he was he's a, he was a solid player. He was the assistant manager at Man City under Pep Guardiola. And, of course, that's an issue because uh, basically Arsenal snagged him from under the noses of the folks at City. They didn't even know this deal was done, apparently until they heard it on the news. I would hope for Mikel Arteta's honor that he at least had, or his agent had at least put in his resignation with immediate effect notice in before they saw this, but I'm not sure they did. But, you know, when you think about Everton, for example, 
uh, getting Carlo Ancelotti as their manager, and you think about Arsenal getting Mikel Arteta as their manager, you have to think Mikel Arteta is sort of on the same level of appointment as, say, a Nigel Pearson at Watford. By the way, Nigel Pearson not is, is a good manager. I mean, don't get me wrong. No disrespect to Nigel Pearson whatsoever. But the point I'm making is that you would think a club like Everton would go for a big name. And there are a number of big names, pardon me, a club like Arsenal. There are a number of big names out there available. Uh, of course, the biggest one that comes to mind is the guy that used to manage their big crosstown rivals, uh, Mauricio Pochettino who is uh, available right now would be, seems to me he would be a great fit at Arsenal, despite the obvious rivalry issues. But I mean, look, Mourinho was asked the same thing when he took the helm at Tottenham. He was asked by the media, you know, how can you take this job at Tottenham when you were manager of Chelsea? You told them that you would never move to a club like Tottenham out of respect for the fans and respect for the club. And Mourinho very honestly turned around and said to them, yeah, that was before I was fired. So you would think if you get fired from your job, you don't really owe any allegiance to your former bosses, right? I mean, given the fact that the fans had a big Pochettino out sort of movement, why would... I'm assuming he'd be available for that move. I'm also assuming Arsenal never approached him about it. And they just had their eyes set on Arteta. This is the guy they want. This is the guy they, they got. And I, I'm underwhelmed, I suppose, although the jury is out. But Arteta is not the same sort of player to an Arsenal as an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is to a Man United. And we're going to talk about them for a minute, by the way. But not now, because we're talking about Arsenal-Chelsea at the Emirates. So Arsenal, uh, an absolute disaster. I mean, there's no other way to put it. This has to be one of the most disappointing seasons. They're in 11th spot. They've won one game in their last five. They drew, obviously, away uh, to Bournemouth. Uh, They drew away at Goodison to Everton. They lost to City. The only game they did win was a 3-1 win away uh, at West Ham. And they lost at home to Brighton. So when you think about Arsenal and you think about that win they got against West Ham uh, earlier on in the month, you've got to go all the way back to beginning of October to sort of the end of the beginning of the season swoon that they had where they were in third position and they beat Bournemouth. So you've got to go all the way to that. Since that time, beginning of October, they have won one game. That's in 12 matches. Pardon me, 11 matches. My math, a little bit off. Chelsea, on the other hand, look, we know the situation with Chelsea. They have a very young squad. They had a transfer ban, subsequently overturned, obviously, and uh, we will see what they do in January. They brought in Frank Lampard at the helm. Now Frank Lampard is a Chelsea legend. And Frank Lampard was at Derby County. And under Frank Lampard, I think this young team has certainly overachieved. I mean, they had that that period uh, from uh, sort of end of September to beginning of November where they won six games in a row and found the way, what, up into third place, right? Unfortunately, it's been really hit or miss since then. But I will say this. They have a young squad, and that's what you get. They've been dropping the unlikeliest points Uh, No more evident than the three points they dropped on Boxing Day to Southampton at home. 
So Chelsea, look, they're a good team. They're a young team. Uh, but they have all the problems that young, good teams have. They can be very, very inconsistent. But this particular match, it's a London derby. They're going cross-town to Arsenal. Arsenal are plus 180 at home. Chelsea are away favorites. That how, that's how bad Arsenal is at plus 134. The draw's plus 250. Look, uh, if you look at Chelsea... They generally rebound after losses, either within a game or two. This is a big match. These young players, I think this match means a lot more to the young players at Chelsea than it necessarily does to the players at Arsenal. I don't think these players at Arsenal give an absolute toss about anything. Uh, I'm going to go with Chelsea. I'm going to take the plus 154. So those are the three bets that I would recommend you take. Arsenal-Chelsea at the Emirates. Uh, take Chelsea, plus 134 for the win on the money line. Watford, Villa uh, at Vicarage Road. Take Watford at home, one plus 110 on the money line. And Brighton, Bournemouth, uh, this one's at the Amex. Take the draw at plus 240 on the money line. Those are my betting recommendations. All right, and well, let's get on, shall we, and take a look at some other matches without maybe spending as much time on the betting side of it. But we'll certainly look and see uh, you know, what the odds are for the matches that we're talking about. But um, uh, because sometimes it, it, there is there is a bit of value there. Okay, let's move on, shall we, to the next one. And let's start with Newcastle-Everton. We're going to see, well, Wolves-City is the first game at, at Molyneux. Now, City coming off a uh, fairly easy win, 3-1 at home against uh, against uh, Leicester City. That was uh, on the 21st. So poor old Leicester. They get Man City, and then they get Liverpool, and then all of a sudden their lead at the top uh, on the second, uh, second in the table, is only one point City breathing down their neck. Uh, the Molyneux could present a bit of a potential banana skin for City because I'm not 100% sold on City. I mean, they're a great, great club, don't get me wrong, but they're not quite the same Man City we're used to. Wolves have only actually lost one match in five. In point of fact, I'm going to give you an interesting statistic on Wolverhampton Wanderers. They, the match they lost uh, to Tottenham at home uh, middle of December on the 15th was the first match they had lost in the league since the middle of September. So they basically went three full months without a loss. Think about that for a minute. That is an incredible statistic. And if you want to look at home records, Wolves at home is really, for me, where they're struggling. They've got three wins, four draws, and two losses. This one, however, I have difficulty seeing them winning because I think Man City feel that they are on a roll. Uh, they're certainly... Uh, away from home, they uh, Man City have been um, pretty good. I mean, they're six one and two away from home. They've scored uh, twenty five goals away from home. Think about that. That's actually that's actually the most goals scored by any club in the Premier League away from home. That's almost two and a half, three goals a game. City are scoring, and they're not conceding goals. They're only, they're only led. They're letting in a little over one a game at home. So you have to like City for this game, and you have to like City with a decent scoreline. I'm going to say I think this one is going to be 2-1 Man City, and that is uh, the Friday game. 
I don't think there's any value in that one. In fact, I'll take a look and I'll tell you right now since we are running out the end of this segment. And no, City are minus 257 favorites. The draws plus 409. Wolves plus 768. None of that's going to happen. And the consensus is a 3-0 scoreline for Wolves. Uh, Pardon me, for City. Uh, I think that... um, that's a real possibility. I wouldn't take the over or the under, actually. From a betting perspective, I would just, I would just ignore this game. All right. When we come back, let's continue the discussion. Uh, let's go talk St. James's Park, where Everton, uh, with Carlo Ancelotti at the helm after getting a nice uh, win for his first match in charge, will be facing Newcastle, who just got, well, tonked by Man United. I'll be right back after this. Welcome back. It's an exciting time for sports. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual-threat quarterback. Odds on Jackson to win the MVP race were at 50-1 to to begin the season have plummeted since, making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. Look, without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go. My bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little or win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you multiply games together for a much bigger payout. Look, my bookie has more lines, better odds for the player than any other sports book around. So if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. That means if you deposit two thousand, you get an extra one thousand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV, as in believe, to get your extra cash from my bookie. Do it now. Bet, win, and get paid. All right, uh, my bookie recommended highly. Okay, look, uh, let's move on to the next one, shall we? Uh, the next match in question here is at St. James's Park. It's Newcastle United, and they're going to be hosting Everton. Now, Newcastle under Steve Bruce has had a definitely a resurgence. Uh, come uh, middle of October, they had that 1-0 defeat at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. They were essentially in the relegation zone. No, they were in the, not essentially. They were in the relegation zone in 18th spot. Since that time, they've only lost three matches. They've really been on a roll. Steve Bruce has done a wonderful job with this team. He's got a really good squad. I mean, a very underrated squad, I think, at Newcastle United. And he's managed to get the most out of them. They've managed to pull themselves up from the bottom of their table to mid-table, but keep in mind, there's still only six points from the relegation zone. So it's not, or seven points, excuse me, it's not uh, all wine and roses at St. James's Park. And they're getting visited by a team, Everton Football Club, who have been, uh, well, a massive disappointment, uh, definitely, uh, definitely what I would say uh, from... The time they fired Marco Silva, which was right after the Liverpool match where they went to Anfield and lost 5-2, uh, they have won four games without Marco Silva. They just appointed Carlo Ancelotti, and they got a very nice, a nice solid 1-0 victory at Goodison Park against Burnley. Look, this is a decent team. There's nothing wrong with this Everton team. They've got a lot of really good players on this team, and they have perf- underperformed woefully. 
So now they've got a world-class manager at the helm. And I know you can talk about world-class managers and look at West Ham United and say it doesn't mean much. Well, yeah, but I think Everton really have the squad and they have the pieces. And I think Ancelotti is the right guy. I don't think this bodes well for Newcastle United. I like Everton to win this one away at St. James's Park. Next match, we have St. Mary's Southampton hosting Crystal Palace. Southampton, well, I mean, look, Ralph Hasenhutl, I, he, he's been the next manager due to be fired on the um, sack race. And I have to think, by the way, that uh, he's been completely overtaken now by uh, Pellegrini, who's probably uh, odds-on favorite to get the sack here in the next week or two if, if West Ham can't get any results before this uh, New Year's break, uh, this New Year's uh, fixtures end. Uh, but Southampton have actually won three of their last five, surprisingly enough. I mean, they were 19th in the table end of November. They'd won only two games on the season. They were just god-awful. And that's when I said, you know what, Hassan Hoodle's going to be fired. I mean, Watford changed their manager, uh, Norwich. I mean, everybody's been shifting and firing managers. But Hassan Hoodle has managed to pull this club up, and there was no bigger surprise than the victory they got at Stamford Bridge. And by the way, I mean, it's not like a 1-0 victory. They got a 2-0 victory over Chelsea at the bridge. Uh, Southampton seemed to have a new lease of life. And on the other hand, you want to talk about underperforming teams, you have to talk about Crystal Palace because this is a team with some real talent. And yeah, they've only lost one match in five. I, I will agree with you. And they've only lost one match actually in seven this is a team fully capable, though, of going on a massive slump. All you have to do is look what happened in October through end of November, where they, in five matches, they lost four and drew one. They're very much all over the place. They've got really good players on this squad. They should be doing a lot better. Uh, they got a 2-1 victory uh, at home against West Ham. But again, it's West Ham United. I don't know. For me, I'm probably going to say this match is going to be a draw. I think these two teams are fairly evenly... Um, balanced. Uh, Southampton tend to leak goals, although again, they shut Chelsea out, clean sheet, 2-0. Uh, but they just don't score enough goals. They've only scored um, 20, well, they scored 23 goals in the season. So th they scored. They've certainly scored more than Palace, and that's Palace's problem. Having said that, defensively, Palace, really pretty good team. I like this one, but I like this one maybe as a nil-nil draw. So there you go. That's my uh, Southampton Palace at St. Mary's. Uh, Watford Villa we talked about, Spurs visiting Norwich. I don't know what to say here. Norwich are just in an absolute tailspin. I keep saying this week in and week out that, you know, they made a decision uh, not to basically, you know, bump up the team, sign Premier League players when they got promoted, and, and that's clearly backfired on them. Clearly backfired. I mean, to go to Villa Park and lose 1-0 in a big relegation battle, they want to at least get a point out of that. They didn't. They're dead bottom of the table. Uh, the last time Norwich actually won a match, uh, we've got to go back to uh, end of November where they beat the lackluster Everton at Goodison. And before that, the only other match they've won was, believe it or not, at home, Carroll Road against Man City. That was way back in September. But really, since that September match... Uh, they have drawn three matches, won one, and lost, what's that, six, ten matches. I don't see Norwich winning this one uh, at all. So I think Norwich here at home against Spurs. Spurs, they are fighting for that Champions League spot. Mourinho seems to have this team turned around. By the way, the exact same squad 
that Pochettino had. And since Mourinho's taken over, this team is getting points on the board. I expect them to win this game. But I also expect Chelsea to win. I expect Man City to win. So I'm not sure there's going to be too much of a change in the top of the table. But I don't see Norwich winning this. West Ham, Leicester. Uh, I'm sorry, London Stadium. Leicester are going to rebound from their big loss to Liverpool. And uh, they're going to beat West Ham at the London Stadium. Man United. I don't know what to say about Man United, you know. Uh, I really like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I've said this a lot. I said this when I had um, uh, Phil Brown on the show. We did the whole Man United thing. But since the beginning of November, when they lost 1-0 to Bournemouth, it is at Vitality, it has been, what, eight games? They've won four, drawn three, lost one. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting this young team that, quite frankly, needs a bit more talent in it. And they've done it largely without Paul Pogba. He's got them doing very nicely into sniffing distance of the Champions League spots. I really like United. I think they've got their act together. I'm loath to give United predictions because they are truly all over the board on this one. But I do think they'll go to Turf Moor and get a result. Arsenal-Chelsea, we spoke about. Man City are going to beat Sheffield United. The Blades have had a great run this season. Uh, but, you know, the cream does tend to rise to the top. Now, keep in mind, they have done very, very well. They have lost two matches since end of September. Two matches in, what's that? Uh, that was match day seven. When, uh, two matches in 12. They've, uh, they've lost. So, I mean, Sheffield, the Blades are a really, really good side. I like them a lot. As I said, the cream will rise to the top, though, and uh, I don't see them going uh, to the Etihad and getting other than tonked by Man City. So there you have it. There's our matches for the weekend. I want to take this moment, though, to talk a little bit about Liverpool because for those of you that know me, have been following me on the radio and on TV since, what, 2000? You'll know that I am a huge Liverpool supporter, and and it's been you know it's been rough. But this club has won three trophies here within six months: the Champions League, the Super Cup, the uh, World Club Cup. By the way, they're the only English team ever to do that. Win those three trophies in the same year. They are flying high. That's not to say they're going to go through the season unbeaten. They may. It's unlikely. There's 17 games left on the season. Although, to, Well, Liverpool actually have uh, 20 games left on the season. It's highly unlikely they're going to continue to win every game or to not get beaten at some point by, by somebody. Uh, but I don't see them relinquishing the lead at the top of the table. They're going to get their first title in 30 years. I think that's patently obvious at this point uh, this club has everything going for it they have belief they have hunger they have desire they have oodles of talent they have depth and the most important thing about liverpool is they have a structure underneath the club now top down that is completely supportive of what ultimately happens on the pitch and this is a tale that i know when i speak to phil brown about man united you know this is what united are desperate to have again they used to have it but they don't have it anymore. And Liverpool hasn't always had it. I mean, you remember the Hicks and Gillette era. I mean, Liverpool was what? Uh, one sniff away from bankruptcy. But let's put something into perspective here so that 
you can understand what the turnaround at this club has done. First of all, this season, they played 18 games, and they've won 17, and they drew one game. That's it. They've maximized everything but two points this entire season. That in and of itself is incredible. But if you want to take that and extrapolate that through last season where they played 38 games, they lost only one game by one goal to Man City. Which means in 56 games in the Premier League, Liverpool Football Club have lost one of them. Think about that for a minute. They've lost one game in 56 in what is arguably the toughest league in the world. And that is unbelievable statistic. You can throw in there, they probably I don't think they've lost at home, by the way, for almost three years in the Premier League. So if you let that sink in for a minute, look, everybody waxes poetic about Pep Guardiola, Man City, and, you know, everybody talks about the glory days of Man United and... Uh, you know, it used to be 85, 87 points was enough to win the Premier League. It's got to be over 100 now. Because you've got two clubs here in Manchester City and Liverpool that are pushing each other to the breaking point. And I think this season you can see Man City have broken a bit, but that's not a rub on Man City. They won the Premier League back-to-back. I mean, you know, they are going to have to cycle through some of these players and rebuild some of them and they will do it don't get me wrong i mean they will absolutely do it but they are setting the standards and very difficult standards for other teams to meet in the premier league which is why i'm not that surprised leicester city are doing as well as they are is it possible the next few years could be uh, almost have a la liga like uh, duopoly it, it is possible because I'm not sure that any of the other teams have have that wherewithal, the infrastructure and the uh, desire, ability, and willingness to spend big money. And, of course, Fenway Sports Group, uh, I think, probably the best owners in all of football. All right, I'm going to take a break and wrap it up here. This show goes by so fast. It's unreal. Uh, here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and on Sirius XM 211. By the way, we also broadcast live on iHeartRadio, on TuneIn, on the award-winning SiriusXM app. And if you've missed any part of this show, you can catch it immediately at its conclusion at the Believe Podcast Network. All right, I'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back. Wow, wow, what a, sh- you know, what a show because it's just gone by before you even know it. And uh, it's great. <laughs> lots to get lots to talk about and of course we'll have loads more to talk about as we get into the new year's fixtures and there are a lot of them to get to another full barrel of fixtures next wednesday brighton chelsea burnley villa newcastle leicester that should be a great game uh southampton spurs watford wolves city everton norwich palace west ham hosting bournemouth and of course arsenal man united huge match there at the emirates uh, those are some of the things we've got to look forward to next Wednesday. And then New Year's Day is going to top it all off uh, before we take a little eight-day break in the Premier League with, at Anfield, where Liverpool host uh, Sheffield United. And by the way, don't think that's going to be an automatic win for Liverpool. Uh, Sheffield United, the Blades, that's a good team, and they could certainly provide uh, present a potential banana skin to Liverpool. So 
Stay tuned. We're going to cover all these matches on the show. By the way, find me on Twitter, at Nick Gieber, because I do sort of tweet throughout the week, particularly when I'm watching games. I'd uh, love to hear from you. love to get your opinion and your input. What do you think? I'd love to hear from Man United fans. love to hear from Newcastle supporters, really, and Palace supporters. Where are you? Tell me what's going on at your club. And also, if you follow Chelsea, love to know what you think about the situation at Stamford Bridge. I think Lampard's the right manager. I think you've got a good mix of young players. But I think opening the transfer window has de- developed a sense of uncertainty for some of these young players. And they're playing kind of looking over their shoulder anymore, which they weren't doing before. And I think that's maybe why we're seeing some of this inconsistency from Chelsea's squad. All right. Well, look, we talk about it every day. Monday through Friday, uh, right here on the Sports Byline Network, on Sirius XM 211. Hope you will make me a regular part of your week as we enjoy the tail end of this incredible holiday season in the Premier League and get ready to kick off 2020 with a bang. You be sure to tune in. Put me in your Philofax or your Rolodex if you even have one of those things. All right, till next time, enjoy the games. Bellington's coming up on the left-hand side. Headlights shining, driving rain on the winter frame. Little young lady starters stitching her ride. And it's a two, four, six, eight, and it's too late. Me and my radio fucking on through the night. Three, five, seven, nine, on the white line. Motorway sun coming up with the morning light. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.